Good evening, everyone, and welcome to The Real Science Exchange, the podcast where scientists and industry leaders meet over a few drinks and casual conversation to discuss the latest ideas and trends in animal nutrition. Hello, I'm Scott Sorrell, your host for tonight's conversation. This episode is a big topic and should be of great interest to anyone that has a stake in the dairy industry. What we can expect from the global dairy markets in 2021. We'll get to my co-hosts in just a minute, but I'd like to take a moment to introduce our guests to the pub this evening, Dr. David Cole and Dr. Bob James. Dr. Cole, welcome back to the Real Science Exchange, and thanks for joining us here tonight. We wanted to get you back uh, after a well-attended webinar titled Transitioning a Black Swan to a Phoenix in the Global Dairy Markets uh, that you presented just a few weeks ago. For those of you that don't know Dr. Cole, he is currently president of AgriVisions, a knowledge-based consulting business. He's also part owner of Homestead Creamery, a value-added dairy business in the Blue Ridge Mountains. He has spent many years staring into his crystal ball to help us all decide what is coming next in the dairy industry. Dr. Cole, while our pub is virtual, our drinks are not. So uh, can you tell us what's in your glass tonight? Well, uh, one of the things is we've got Homestead Creamery. Uh, and uh, we got a combination of uh, eggnog and custard. Uh, I guess uh, I'll put the other one here. This is uh, Franklin County, Virginia's finest. And uh, <laughs> they are the leading uh, uh, producer of that uh, type of material there. And uh, so that's uh, uh, my drink <laughs> or a couple drinks. <laughs> awesome. Too just a drinker. I love it. Um, I've enjoyed getting to know you, uh, Dr. Cole, during the prep times for the webinar and this podcast. And I've also learned uh, hearing a bit about your, your, your passion for basketball and your coaching career. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, you know, one of the things, uh, uh, basketball, I actually, I started at community college, uh, switched majors five times. I started out to be a basketball coach. Matter of fact, I wanted nothing to do with the uh, dairy farm that I grew up on in upstate New York. And uh, so what happened was uh, I had a very, very good high school coach. Actually, he's in the high, uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, our high school basketball team won 104 straight games. It was the national record at that time. And uh, so uh, those folks gave me a chance and I was an assistant coach and then I ended up being a, a head coach at a place called Oswego State. I coached the Lakers, the great Lakers. It was a D3 school. And uh, one of the things is that was very, very instrumental in developing a lot of the, uh, what I call emotional intelligence skills that I've used later in life. Yeah. Very well. So I see you've brought a guest with you tonight. Uh, would you mind introducing him and tell us a little bit about your relationship and maybe something uh, interesting that the folks listening in that may not know about Dr. James? Well, uh, what's real interesting, Dr. Bob James, Virginia Tech. Uh, one of the things is uh, we worked very, very closely together over the years, whether it was with undergraduate education, extension education, or you know, with graduate students. And uh, we both have a passion uh, for the dairy industry, but I think we have passion as educators out there. And uh, so we've got the Virginia Tech connection here, and I'm very, very proud of our university. And I'll tell you, one of the top programs in the United States of America. Uh, Dr. James, of course, uh, retired from Virginia Tech, uh, but we get to see each other in Atlanta Hartsfield Jackson Airport as we're both uh, our frequent flyers on Delta Airlines. And uh, of course, the Sky Club there on Concourse D is probably one of our favorite hangouts, right, Bob? Yep, yep. 
And so introduce yourself uh, as you take it a little bit further. Okay, I, uh, I retired in 2016, but as Dave said, I was a member of the Dairy Science Department. And uh, it's a department that's really dedicated to their three missions, and that's teaching, extension, and research. And, and I, I found out very early that I'm just really passionate about teaching. I guess one of the things that makes you most proud are, are the accomplishments of your former students. And if you look at that gentleman sitting over there on the right, this was this was one of my former students, and that's Clay Zimmerman. And it, it I guess that's what really makes life worthwhile. Uh, both Clay and his wife uh, were students at, at Virginia Tech, and a little bit about him is they actually were our babysitters and uh, uh, for our, our, our one of our kids. I don't know if you remember that, Clay. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I retired, and uh, I did tech service for a national co company pretty much all over the U.S., uh, also did some tech service for a company in Mexico for my first couple years, and then I joined... Uh, uh, GPS Dairy Consulting, which is a group of consultants in the in the Upper Midwest, uh, predominantly in the beginning of 2019, and so um, uh, I apply the principles, dairy management principles, really to calf management. I'm extremely specialized, and it's been a real challenge um, because calves have always been a little bit lower priority. Uh, the other thing is, is, as Dave mentioned, uh, our last trip, the last time Dave and I saw each other was in the decon course on March the 15th. And, uh, but transitioning that to a virtual basis, and, and I think we'll talk a little bit about this maybe later, later on. Uh, Dave's presentation talked a lot about international consulting, and, and I've worked uh, pretty much all over the world and, and all over the country. And one of the really great things about that is giving you a perspective uh, of the world and the country and you, you take your blinders off and it's a very humbling experience and very exciting experience. So um, that's a little bit about me. And, and, and by the way, both the Otter James and I have been back in the classroom at Virginia Tech this fall uh, yep. lecturing in the senior management. And I wanted to bring that up because, boy, there is a great group of students uh, that we had. Uh, right, Bob? Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining us tonight. Really looking forward to this one. Um, I didn't ask, Bob, what's what's in your glass tonight? Well, it was supposed to have been some white wine, but I've got a little glass of red wine. And so uh, we'll take a sip of that as, as we proceed through the evening and uh, pace myself very well. <laughs> very well. So also joining us tonight at the pub is uh, Jonathan Griffin. Jonathan is vice president and general manager for Balchem Animal Nutrition and Health. Jonathan, since this is your first time at the exchange, tell us a little bit about yourself and more importantly, what's in your glass tonight? Yeah, thanks, Scott. And uh, uh, thank you to Dr. Cole and Dr. James. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to, to be joining both of you here. I've heard, I've heard both of you in, in various conferences and meetings give presentations, but unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to interact with you on a personal basis until today. But hey, no, no better time than the present, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I think, as Scott mentioned, um, my career is, has been uh, in agriculture, uh, my, entire, my entire professional career. I grew up uh, on a dairy farm, uh, very close to where I'm sitting today in, in north central uh, rural Connecticut. And uh, so, so was, a, was a dairy kid uh, growing up, did a lot of uh, dairy judging. In fact, Virginia Tech was the, 
was the uh, you know the the top of the dairy judging world um you know and, and i forgot the the professor's name that was the real leader there but he published the book and uh you know so so know virginia tech very well ended up going to college at cornell for undergrad and then had a had a series of engagements worked for monsanto for six years uh, down in the southeastern u.s um, and moved on to the feed industry the feed additive space with church and dwight and have now been with Balcam for for 10 years so uh, great passion for for agriculture for the dairy industry and for some you know some great people that i've had the pleasure of working with in the in the in the space over the years so today i am uh this evening i'm i'm drinking a uh, favorite of mine which is an ipa it's a uh, it's a local ipa it's actually the it's a, a brewery um uh, broadbrook brewery from the town that i uh, grew up in just across the pond here and uh, it's a nice nice ipa called hopstillo uh, india pale ale so very well to the discussion yeah so uh, i'm personally this evening enjoying a french cabernet in honor of a gentleman by the name of uh, fred bryant uh, fred was a previous boss and, and a very dear friend of mine and he passed away last week from uh, covid 19. so tonight i'm i'm, I'm lifting my glass to uh, fred bryant he's a, he was a very good man and and a better friend so here's fred salute fred uh, and last and certainly not least is the, the third Hokie uh, in the audience tonight, uh, Dr. Clay Zimmerman, who's once again in the co-pilot seat. So, Clay, uh, I believe the last time we were together, you were savoring a, a vintage hard cider from upstate New York. That's so, right. Yeah. What's in your glass tonight? Uh, I have one again tonight. Well, hard cider. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's your specialty. Same brand? Uh, yes, it is. All right. Good for you. Yeah. All right. So let's get started, folks. So we got a lot to cover and, and not a lot of time to do it. Uh, Dr. Cole, uh, 2020 has been a roller coaster for the dairy industry. And can you kind of summarize the situation for us as we get ready for uh, to put 2020 in our rear view mirror? I think uh, if you look at the dairy industry in 2020, as you mentioned, it was a roller coaster. Of course, we had, uh, you know, some of the shutdowns on the processing, et cetera, et cetera. The government came to a rescue. Matter of fact, governments came to the rescue uh, worldwide. And that's been very, very advantageous, particularly for the smaller dairies, uh, because they received the PPP checks, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a, a nice cash flow uh, bridge. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I see is uh, two stories. Uh, we got a third uh, group of producers, whether they're large or smaller, dialed in, and uh, they're doing, um, whether it's production, finance, uh, uh, operations management, calf raising, you name it, and uh, they're doing uh, fairly well. And that combined with uh, some of these government checks, they're probably having the best year they've had since 2014. I've got another set of producers, uh, whether it was a weather circumstance or just a circumstance in the industry, uh, those government uh, checks uh, were a nice cash flow and financial bridge. And I, I would just have to say, as we close down 2020 and we start getting geared up for 2021, for all producers uh, in the dairy industry, but also agriculture industry, what's life gonna be like uh, post uh, government stimulus. And so I think we're going to have to have a proactive uh, game plan there 
Uh, and again, it's not going to be a magic silver bullet. It's going to be something of incremental success, which your company plays a big part. So that's 2020 in a nutshell. It's been not only a financial roller coaster, but an emotional roller coaster. Uh, and, and again, uh, remember, this is all about behavioral, behavioral economics, which drive 80% of all financial and economic decisions, whether it's the consumer or the business person. In your webinar, you talked a little bit about the black swan and how it's going to accelerate change. What kind of uh, changes do you see happening going forward? I'll tell you, uh, one of the things that I see uh, is uh, change in what I would call uh, information and technology. It's just going to accelerate. And uh, one of the elements there is just the information management and trying to become incrementally better. Uh, that's one of the accelerations. The other acceleration is this whole thing of business IQ that I discussed uh, during that webcast. Uh, I, I will say the decade of the 2020s uh, will be about uh, what I would call a business IQ. And, and the business IQ is just not finance and, and uh, uh, marketing, but it's that operational efficiency and being able to not only hear, understand, but execute uh, a plan. We often call it the HUP principle. And so I definitely see that element. The other element that I see accelerating uh, is consumer. Uh, in other words, the consumer finally found out that uh, agriculture is important. We had shortage on the shelves. We had shortage of toilet paper. That's part of that uh, behavioral economics. And so just the consumer understanding of our agriculture industry, which they were taking for granted, is coming back up. My biggest concern, and I'm just going to be very blunt with you, uh, I see the possibility of the big box stores, uh, uh, you know, whether it's Walmart or Target or Amazon, cannibalizing small business. And this is one of my major, major concerns here in the early part of the decade. So that trend is definitely accelerating. Uh, and we're just going to have to watch to see how that one plays out as we, uh, you know, close down some of our restaurants and, you know, small business establishments. I have a real concern there because small business and entrepreneurship uh, built America and it built the dairy industry and it built agriculture. Yeah. So you'd mentioned technology and uh, technology communications. And during our prep time, you gentlemen were talking about how that uh, how you guys have, uh, have started adapting to that. Dr. James, can you expound on that just a bit? Yeah, I, I would start out with with a little bit on the business IQ and, and some of the, the points that, that Dr. Cole made about that. And, and one of the things was advisory teams. Uh, I work with a very specialized component of a dairy business which has to do with the raising of young calves. And, and that's, uh, I think it's very unusual for producers to place that as a priority. And, and that maybe that shows some of their vision for down the road. There's some big things that have, that have happened, I think, in perspective there that really has an impact. Uh, but to talk about advisory teams, one of the real keys to success, since I'm no longer able to travel to the farm, is we've created some advisory teams and some key people are that are the veterinarians and also some of their maybe their industry support uh, people that we have from from agribusiness uh, and we have monthly camp conference calls and that's been a, a transition 
I think one of my uh, um, least technology clients is now totally on board. And, the, and these are Zoom or Google Meet or, or whatever technology one cares to use, but seeing that person's face uh, is, is just a real vital component of that and I think is a vital component of that engagement. Uh, so we talk about technology. I'm also working with a, another company in, in Europe actually to establish an educational platform. Uh, they already have one in Europe, but as I watch that platform, it's very different mindset than what we have here in North America. So it, it's been fun working with uh, their representative in Canada and also with uh, with the owners that are actually in Germany. And, and uh, it's been, you know, it's been a neat it's been a neat challenge. And I know Dr. Coles had to adapt as well from being a very much of a in your face type of a, a motivator to doing it with a different technology. And I, I, I think you can probably say this. I spend, spun my wheels probably a, a fair amount in that first month or so and in getting my mind shifted to this, uh, this new technology. The other one, the last thing I'll mention is um, with a company in Germany, you know, I'm now able to monitor uh, calf feeding equipment from my cell phone. Uh, I have a farm in actually in Franklin County that just installed some automatic calf feeders, and I can I can monitor everything on that farm with those feeders, just as well as being there right from the convenience of my cell phone. And and that technology changes are are coming, you know, really pretty quickly. And it's it's interesting to see the adoption of them. Yeah, and and can I spin off uh, Dr. James's comments? Uh, We've done about 125 of these virtual uh, presentations. I was very blessed. Alicia Morris, who is here, uh, uh, she's director of Farm Credit University, which we had a blended education program. We were doing them. We've gone more uh, from just doing the stodgy webcast to having it more interactive. And uh, many of our programs were, were uh, are worldwide now and are up in Canada and through polling and through chat boxes and just through these podcasts like this, it makes it relaxed. It makes it much more conversational. Uh, I, you just find that this element is really accelerating. And it kind of reminds me of the old animal science professor uh, that had a series of slides or different things like this. It was boring to death. Same way with these webcasts. You can have the series of slides and people, we've got to get these companies to start thinking, um, you know, beyond the 30 minute presentation or having dialogue like this because people really enjoy uh, hearing the experiences. The other thing that uh, uh, to uh, uh, build upon Dr. James's uh, comments, we've actually been able to do more in-farm consulting because I don't have to be on an airline, et cetera, et cetera. And Dr. James said something that's very, very important. Having like this video, you get to observe nonverbal communication, who's engaged, who's not engaged. And so one of the things that you can do uh, is adjust out there. And so I really, I'm writing an article right now, BTN, Back to Normal. And uh, I'm actually looking at Leslie and Corey looking back from 2030 back to 2020. You know, kind of, Julie, this is your future. And uh, one of the things that uh, there's not going to be a back to normal. Uh, matter of fact, uh, as Dr. James says, this is really accelerated. 
and we'll have to get uh, used to it. And he said something else that's uh, very, very important. Sometimes the, le the person you least expect to pick up on this technology picks up on this technology. And, uh, and again, you have to adjust. And as Dr. James says, sometimes you're dealing with the owner, but sometimes you're dealing with that management team out there that is you know, encompassed with the advisory team. And so what you gotta do, you almost have to call a Peyton Manning audible. You have to adjust on the fly. <laughs> And Jonathan, uh, the VP of uh, the Animal Nutrition and Health Division for Balchem, what kind of changes have you seen, both good and bad, um, the, the current situation? I was really uh, relating to the comments that uh, Dr. James made about just the, the, the prevalence of the, the information age that we're in and how we're, we've got access to so much more real-time data than ever before. I think that's been brought to the certainly been brought to the surface more than ever in this, this period of time. Um, you know, I agree the the interaction and the communication piece is, is a, I think going to be a real, real positive change for, for all industries. I'm curious um, for both of our guests though, you know, is there, as we, as we get access to, to much more information and, and whether it's data on monitoring calves in Germany or, or monitoring performance of your sales team and your leadership organization. One, one challenge I'm seeing, and I would love to get uh, our guest perspective is how we manage the, the challenge of data overload and taking it from data gathering to, to real decisions based on, on the data. Yeah, if if I can, I know Dave's excited about this. Let me just talk, go first. And I call it getting lost in the weeds. And one of the things that I've done with my clients, and this is new, and, and I have something that's called a daily monitor that I've asked my clients to do. On dairies, uh, typically calf feeding was at the bottom rung of, of things. And the first time the manager found out that, that they had a problem maybe is when calves started dying. And so I have a daily monitor and I customize it by farm. But as for instance, one of the things that I ask for is tell me how many calves drank slowly this morning or didn't drink in the afternoon. That's the first indication. It's just a little tick mark. So I've got a little one page. I call it a daily monitor. And that goes to the farm manager. But to commu facilitate communication, largely sometimes between Hispanics and an Anglo manager. Uh, the other one we have is a walkthrough report. Anybody that visits the farm fills this out. One of my veterinarians actually put it on a Google Forms. And so, and then he shares it with everybody as soon as he does it. And so we've really facilitated that communication and I think made things a lot more efficient. Uh, that all got started actually with a farm in Australia. And uh, things wor have worked so well, I actually got fired. And uh, because <laughs> they didn't need me anymore, you know, and I still get all the information and uh, from the farm and I'm on a project uh, basis, but oh my gosh, this was a farm with uh, three farms actually with probably a total of about 15,000 cows and, and mm. just really, it's really, it was pretty exciting. And uh, cause I had to do it in Australia cause I was only there about once every six months. And Dr. Bob, one of the things that you often say, and I've heard you say this, that your whole goal is to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them about that. <laughs> well, you know, and that, that's success. And then you move on to, to, the, next, uh, to the next challenge. Yeah. And I think sometimes we wanna, don't want to leave our comfort zone. Uh, you can look at Dave and I, 
and uh, we're no spring chickens. And uh, I think one thing that we share is that we can't wait to get up for tomorrow. And uh, the future is just really, really exciting. And I'll add to uh, Dr. James's uh, point. So I, I got two things, particularly when I'm working with lenders, um, it, you know, whether it's a dairy business or other agriculture businesses, the whole bar napkin approach and snippets. You know, we get this information overload. And if you can't explain something <clears throat> very simply on a bar napkin, it's too complex. <laughs> And, and remember the Babe Ruth, the rule of three, no more than three components. You start getting more than three components, uh, uh, it becomes overwhelming. And, and you see, Dr. James and myself, we've been able actually to do a lot more because we don't have to be on an airliner. Uh, we don't have to be driving, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not saying we're going to go all that way. But I think it's going to be called the hybrid, the blended. Uh, I think it's really going to accelerate consultation and accelerate expertise. The other element I think is very, very important. And Dr. James alluded to this. Uh, he develops, uh, he, he, you know, KPIs, key performance indicators, uh, whether they're subtle or they're hard key performance indicators so that each day they're out there, you know, kind of monitoring those and it facilitates that communication. That's what I have to do with the lenders uh, out there as they work with uh, dairy folks and, and, and again, show them the benefits of those. Dr. Bob? <laughs> I, I think this thing on getting lost in the weeds, this is one of the real interesting things with the, with the company in Germany. They have, they have the automatic calf feeders. And so the amount of data that they have generated is totally overwhelming and we're actually getting ready to do a machine learning project here it's starting at virginia tech where and that's some of the neat new technology where we can look at all that data and determine what are the key things that are really important and what do we need to look at and what do we not need to look at and uh, i think that's something that's just really exciting and we're on the real cusp of i, I think of some uh, some achievements there in, uh, uh, in, in doing that. Cause I can use this right now and I look at some key things and I can actually get on the phone to the farm and saying, Hey, what's going on here? Uh, you got some things starting to head South and they may not even be aware of it. And I think these are some of the, the, the things that a consultant can do uh, virtually that uh, can, can really make the use of our time very efficient. Yeah. And that's one of the things when I guest lectured both in the dairy senior management and the ag tech uh, senior management classes, I, I gave some uh, genome testing that we had done on some heifers, both dairy and over on the beef side. And it was so interesting. I, I just threw the data and I, hey, pretend I know nothing about this, just getting the students to communicate with me. And oh, they were Googling this and Googling that. And I says, great, <laughs> talk to me. And uh, it was really fun uh, to get them to critically think about the data, but more fun watching how they were communicating uh, with me. And I've got to talk to Dr. Alex. Uh, uh, Dr. Alex White teaches over there. Uh, it'd be really good to have them do it virtually, kind of like what we're doing today. That communication is, is such a, a key uh, type of element. And so that's with your teams, we're going to have to transform uh, this communication aspect. We've been we've been talking more than ever about dashboards mm -hmm. and and really to your points, 
you know, consolidating that data and prioritizing the data that's most important, whether it's on an operational basis, whether it's at the manufacturing plant or at the dairy farm, or even from a, a larger strategic perspective, how well is the organization advancing its strategic goals and its and all the activities that support those goals, and 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 really, you know, looking at it from a a, a, a more coordinated monitoring perspective. So I think that that aligns with what you're saying. And and by the way, we'll probably we're going to be on a call into New York City uh, where we're looking at this. We call it predictive type of analytics out here. And what you've got to do, you got to break down, uh, like Dr. James said, you got your daily aspects, maybe you've got your monthly aspects, your quarterly aspects, and then your annual aspects. You kind of put them in those type of buckets. And sometimes the daily and the monthly will flow uh, into, you know, the uh, annual uh, type of business planning aspect. That's the thing that, you know, uh, there was a famous professor at Virginia Tech, Dr. Bill Ekin, and that's one of the things in his way in the 1980s, he was teaching us how to do that, uh, you know, on the dairy farm. So be thinking of your various buckets, but you've got to have that daily or monthly bucket to keep uh, the owner and the managers engaged. I'm curious with both of you, if you were advising a, uh, a freshman at Virginia Tech right now that wanted to go into the dairy industry, what, what advice would you give them? I, I advised students for many years and I advised Clay. I think one of the real strengths we had in our department that I really loved, and I served on a lot of university committees, probably I think somewhere between a quarter and a third of our courses were what we called restricted electives. And, and all that had to be was a course that had some, some substance to it. I, you know, I had students who, who uh, dual minored in English and dairy science. Oh, it's horrible. No, you know, that fell still milking cows down in Southwest Virginia. Uh, probably my, my greatest pleasure was, and I just found this out last week, is that I had a student and she was uh, she what they call interdisciplinary studies. So she minored in dairy science, political science, and maybe communication. She's now in charge of milk procurement for Nestle and lives in Veve, Switzerland. She might have been a classmate of Clay's, I'm not sure. But, you know, some, some students that are very adaptable. I think we worry all about too much about meeting these requirements for our major and there are some key things. You know, one of my advisors in graduate school said, take the fewest classes that you can and spend the rest of the time at the library. Well, when Dave and I went to graduate school, there wasn't the internet. And so but he said, just read. And I think that's that's the real key to, to success. And and can I share with you, can I come back to Cornell? Of course, I earned my master's and doctorate at Cornell. And, and uh, one of the things that uh, they suggested, take three courses completely out of the discipline. And I took Carl Sagan's astronomy course, <laughs> uh, took Rod Serling's short course, creator of the uh, Twilight Zone. And then I took a course in nonverbal communication. I'll tell you what, all three of those expanded my horizon. A matter of fact, the problem is with universities, this is gonna change now. They get into too much silo education. Yep. And uh, I really feel that the university degree is obsolete. Uh, I see it as a 
a number of certificates in uh, each uh, in various areas and you kind of develop your own portfolio and the portfolio doesn't stop if you graduate from Cornell or UConn or uh, Virginia Tech. It's kind of a lifelong portfolio uh, that's going to be developed. Actually, I'm writing some articles on this one uh, right now and it keeps it energized. And I often tell students uh, two or three things, get a little bit of bio, get a little bit of business economics. But Bob said something, communication. And that's not only oral communication, uh, but it's listening and uh, nonverbal communication is real critical. And then they have to critically think about the data. You can Google anything, but being able to critically think and then communicate that data and having that uh, uh, type of balance, that would be my advice for that freshman. But my advice for that freshman, I know Dr. James is uh, on board with this. I'd like to have him get a couple of internships and, and maybe yep. possibly one outside the United States. That's one of the things about dairy science department when Dr. James was here. They'd take trips to Europe. Remember that time we were in the airport? Uh, you were about ready to leave for Europe and uh, you had all the students. And those students today will still talk about that. I'm sorry. Yep. Took 53 students to uh, Spain one year. That was my last trip that I did. And you know, we didn't have one issue with a student, not one. And uh, uh, let, turned them loose in Madrid for the day, turned them loose in, in Barcelona for the day. And, and just, you know, I don't think I've enjoyed an experience any more in, in my life than, than some of those trips. But uh, that's something that's taught me a lot has been some of the global consulting that I've done uh, in uh, the Australia uh, experience was uh, just here recently was was a, an excellent one and but each one of those I've I've gained a real appreciation for uh, uh, for the global situation and you know while I was at Virginia Tech one thing I really appreciated was having the students from dairy science animal science horticulture in my ag finance my problem solving class and sometimes they would complain uh, well uh, this is not a dairy case or this is not an animal science case. I'd give them a horticulture case because, again, I wanted to give the universal uh, type of concepts and principles that would work with any business. And I wanted to get them out of their silos. This is one of the biggest problems we have in business and industry today is too many silos. <laughs> and, and by the way, they're not horizontal. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. While we're talking about those silos, and I think that's a challenge in the U.S., you know, we had the Midwest, the West, the Southeast, the Northeast, and mm -hmm. and uh, we have a program in, in GPS. It's called NextGen, but it looks at, at at training the next generation. And but we need to get, you know, our our folks. And that was one of the neat things at Virginia Tech. Uh, we had students usually from thirteen different states, and they learned an awful lot from each other, an awful lot from each other. But is getting away from some of that. Uh, compartmentalization in the U.S. And it's gotten better, but it's still a problem. It's still a challenge. Yeah. And one of the things I enjoyed about my Cornell education was that I was exposed to students from all over the world and uh, still have uh, a, a number of friends. And that was way back in the 70s. And uh, and again, these the university education is going to be turned upside down. You watch this. Uh, 
Uh, and there's nothing wrong with vocational and technical school. I want everybody to hear that. And sometimes you get those technical skills and then you can come back and, you know, take your psychology, take some of your other courses while you're working, you can apply it. And so experiential based education uh, is going to be uh, one of the elements of the 2020s. Gee, look out. You're talking to two educators. See what happens, Clay? You got I, want to hear, I want to hear Clay talk. So tell yeah. me a little bit about your experiences, Clay, yeah. and what was the most yeah. important for you? I want to tell you first, it's quite a pleasure for me to have two, two of my mentors here from my undergraduate experience. Definitely taking a, a broad-based uh, approach to education. So you advised me to do that. I took a lot of, a lot of uh, agronomy and ag econ classes. You know, get, getting outside of there, I actually started off as an animal science major. So, Dr. James, you recruited me in that uh, <laughs> into the department in the in the the dairy industry uh, class that I took as a freshman. So, so what that, classes? Yeah, what classes did you take outside of the college? Outside of what was required, I'm trying to think now. That's a, that, this was a long did, time ago. You take Bud Robertson's uh, yeah. Civil, Civil War history class. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the best that. teacher that I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah. Amazing this, guy. And Dr. James, he could just make it come to life, couldn't he? Yeah. 300 yeah. students, uh, non-required class, 300 mm -hmm. students. And it was tough, right, Clay? Right. It was not yep. an easy class. Yep. Uh, probably the biggest thing I took at the time, actually, was because um, this was brand new back then. I took the first PC class. The first computing class, computer class <laughs> wow. at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Right? I yeah, mean, they, the, the PC had just come out then. Yeah. Obviously, something I use all the time now. Yeah. By the way, can I uh, break in and hear? Uh, I, I guess lectured Dr. Uh, Alex Whites the other day, and I just asked the students, okay, what's two or three things that you'll learn? I'm an outsider. And every one of those students said spreadsheet skills, <laughs> spreadsheet skills. And it just made Alex's day um, because that I don't care what endeavor you have. Spreadsheet skills are very, very critical. The lady over on the other side here, uh, she learned that from Dr. McGilliard. And uh, uh, let's put it this way. Uh, it, it's just a, a great skill. <laughs> uh, uh, Dr. Cole, you mentioned uh you took a class called the Twilight Zone, I think, and it reminded me of a question that, that I kind of came up with when, when, when uh, Jonathan was talking about dashboards, right? Dashboards are built for humans mm -hmm. uh, to read and interpret. But, you know, as we talk about technology, how soon is it going to be that humans aren't going to be required to interpret dashboards and make decisions, right? We've got, we've got supercomputers like Watson today that, that, that's going to maybe obsolete uh, MDs. Yep. Uh, and there was a, actually a Twilight Zone program on that. You are obsolete. And I actually go back because Rod Serling used to smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. He was only five foot four. He lived near Ithaca. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, and uh, so he would guest lecture at Cornell and up at Ithaca College. Here is my danger. Supposedly by about around 2030, this AI is going to think, you know, beyond the, the human being. I was in north of Los Angeles last year uh, with a guy talking about that. The more that we go in that direction, the more vulnerable we become. And this is one of my big concerns 
uh, that technology makes us more vulnerable. And you have to use what I call asynchronous strategy. The asynchronous strategy is you have to humanize it. And uh, I, I really feel that if we do not have human interpretation, we uh, will open up uh, dark sides we've never seen before. Okay, and this is me speaking December, what, 17, 2020. It'll probably be, you know, in history. Uh, but uh, that's what will create a black swan. And it will bring the, your developed and advanced countries right to their knees. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and I guess one of the things that I do in my consulting, I was visiting my clients four times a year and the Australians twice a year. And, you know, and that's a pretty sizable investment to fly down there for, for you know, essentially I'd spend two weeks. But anyway, one of the things, and I realized that with this, I still need to visit the farm. And uh, because one of the key things that I do is uh, with the calves, I said, I want to be there about an hour before the people show up because I want to watch the behavior of the people and I want them to relate to me as a, as a person other than just on the screen in front of them because there, there are still things that you cannot capture electronically. And, and I think that's the, that's the key thing. You look at what Dr. Cole does. Uh, he gets to understand the personality of the people that he's dealing with, uh, with the company. And, and I think it still takes some of that personal interaction that you see. There are still some things that we, that we can't capture, um, that we really can't capture and we can't appreciate uh, by looking at totally at the data. And, and that is going to create what I call a niche market. And, uh, you know, some of these big companies think they're going to have all the predictive analytics and that's going to, you know, solve all the world's problems. But uh, your little niche companies uh, are going to do what Dr. James says. They're going to do these other things that will set them apart. And remember, if I could recommend a reading, it was an old reading we had to have back in grad school. It was Megatrends by John Nesbitt. And Nesbitt basically says, the, in, in that uh, book, the more you go high tech, the more you got to have high touch, and and you've got to have uh, that hot, that nice blended type of approach. If not, you cannibalize yourself. Well, that kind of brings us uh, kind of full circle to one of the first comments we made, right? Making sure that as we utilize technology and the human touch and being able to see each other and interact, that, that that's very interesting. Uh, folks, I just heard him call last call. So what, what are a couple things that uh, the listening audience should take away from our conversation today, or perhaps some things that we haven't touched on? And what are a couple things that producers or nutritionists can uh, implement uh, immediately after listening to this? And, and I'll start with uh, Dr. James. Yeah. And Dr. James, you hit one, I'll hit one. Let's just go back and volley back. Oh, okay. and forth, just like the Sky Club in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I looked at was were some of the, the things on the business IQ. And, and I said, wow, that's pretty neat. Well, I realized that I had the same thing. I have a document that I send out to uh, prospective clients. And it's, it's essentially asking them to score what they're doing. And, uh, and I think that's something that's something that's really that's very critical to understand with the client. Uh, we've already talked about the advisory teams is risk management. You know, I worked with, with calves and quite frankly, that's risk management, but down the road and what we've learned 
with, with the calf is that how we treat this animal in the first 60 days has a huge impact on things down the road. Um, it's, a, it's a present expense and it's a future benefit. And sometimes that's a very difficult concept to get across to a dairy producer because they're looking at paying the bills today. They're looking at paying those bills today. And so I find this real exciting and with, with tremendous potential financially, but also tremendous potential educationally. And, and I guess that's what kind of ticks my box a little bit. And, you know, Clay, you asked me a question the other day, uh, you know, uh, like on Business IQ, compare it to the older generation, the younger generation. I, I put younger under 45, older over 45. And, you know, when I look at the older generation, I got the 30, 40, 30 rule. In other words, on the business IQ, I have about 30 percent that'll be above a 35 score and many of them will be down 28 or less than 28. And you know what the common denominator is? They think in those silos, it, they think inter, independent rather than interdependent. And the second thing is uh, the equity makes them play uh, uh, prevent defense like we do in football. <laughs> in other words, uh, we've got the equity. We don't have to do the incremental uh, uh, steps that gives us profitability and financial liquidity. But then when I look at the younger generation, this is where Dr. Bob and I get excited. Uh, I will apply that business IQ and I have the 50, 30, 20. 50% of them will usually score out 35 and above. And you know why they have to? Because they're carrying a lot of financial leverage. They have to report to someone else. Uh, I had a dairy farmer a couple of years back. Uh, I says, keep a little debt around because you got to be accountable to someone else. <laughs> it, 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 it makes all the difference out there. And they know the importance of using an advisory team. Uh, they know the interdependence aspect. And so uh, that business IQ, it's not going to be universal across the board. And that's where I see a lot of hope uh, coming out. Hey, I'll volley it back to you, Dr. Bob. Well, I think the other one, we talk about risk management, and this is something we really haven't dealt with, but that's consumer attitudes. You know, and, and I tell my clients, particularly the younger generation, I said, what do you want to be doing five years from now, 10 years from now? They said, well, I want to be milking cows. And I said, well, what's going to happen five or 10 years from now? And, and some of the things that I talk about may make them uncomfortable, but you know, I, I'll use as an example, we can look at, at a whole field full of, you know, and I've, I've worked with big calf ranches, I've worked with big dairies, and I can look at 5,000 calf hutches and say, and they're beautiful, they're very, very well maintained, uh, everything is immaculate, success is tremendous, but when you show that to a consumer, they say, oh, there's a dead gum factory farm. Yep. And one of your speakers, um, Dr. Von Kaiserlink, I think is, she just, she just really, really nailed it. And I applaud Balkem for having her on the program. But we've got to be the leaders of that and, and really, I think, engaging with consumers. You know, I, I say, um, one of the things I say is uh, when they look at those large farms, I said, you know, I have somebody in the maternity shed 24 hours a day. I said, would you like to go to a hospital where somebody checks out at 5 o'clock and they're not back until 8 o'clock the next morning? And I said, there's two sides to every story. And so, but I think we need to be very, very aware of consumer issues and, and be prepared for that. The other one is environmental. 
And I think be prepared to, to be leaders uh, instead of followers on that. And there are some real opportunities there. And so those are some things that, that I think that we need to be prepared for some long-term, what I call risk management. And Dr. Bob, I'll spin right off on that one there. I think uh, particularly environmental, I think on my deal, I talked about soil health and water health. And uh, what you're gonna see, that's going to accelerate here in the decade of the 2020s. And this is the way you can bring your coastal po uh, populations together. Uh, you know, with the flyover states, uh, what we're seeing is a little bit of the deurbanization occurring now. And so I think there's a good story and you're going to see payments uh, for, uh, you know, whether it's carbon sequestration or uh, those elements are going to come along. And so some of our dairy businesses uh, need to be, you know, positioned to be able to capitalize on it. And, and, and it's good stewardship. And then that is a nice story back to what Dr. James says, it's back to the consumer. I'll tell you one thing, being involved with this business right here, uh, it's 20 years now, uh, that consumer is changing. Uh, for example, when COVID uh, uh, broke out, you ought to try to get glass bottles back. Uh, uh, it was, uh, let's put it this way, it put us in a pinch. Uh, yeah, we've, we, build our business model off glass the consumers like it but we're going to have to diversify into plastic a, a little bit uh, we found out that people uh, used ice cream as a comfort food and uh, uh, no they did and ice cream sales were up right now i was just doing figures this morning on eggnog and custard and uh, we're probably about 10 percent ahead of last year again being able to flow with that type of consumer, being able to tell the story is very, very critical. And to Dr. James's point, you know, everyone asks, well, is it just going to be big dairies out in the future? One thing I learned from Dr. Eck, and, uh, and he often uh, said this, it's not one size that fits all. You can be successful anywhere you know, within that type of industry, I see it kind of bifurcated. We'll see some large and then you'll see some smalls, you know, do some of this niche here. But being agile enough to adjust to those uh, consumer trends out there and that consumer trend of younger people. Uh, and I talk about this is one of the things uh, that really kind of baffles me sometimes in the United States, we're too old-minded thinking, all the way from the political spectrum right to the leadership right on down through and engaging the young people. I think we got a great story uh, to tell on the consumer side to our youngsters out there. Well, I'm getting close to the time I've got to head to New York City. <laughs> well, listen, it's, uh, this has been a real treat, gentlemen, and, and I appreciate you stopping by to spend some time with us uh, this evening. I, I hope we get to do it again. So, so thank you uh, both uh, Dave and Bob. And I want to thank uh, our loyal listeners for stopping by once again to spend some time with us here at the Real Science Exchange. Um, remember, if you like what you heard, uh, drop us a five-star rating on the way out. Also, hit the uh, subscribe button so you'll receive the alerts to future podcasts. And if you're so inclined, uh, glowing reviews are always welcome. Our scientific conversations continue at the Real Science Lecture Series uh, webinar series. And I want to thank uh, Dr. Bob for the, the um, promotion there. Uh, Dr. Uh, von Kaiserlink's talk is available, uh, uh, along with all the other past topics, at balchemanh.com 
slash real science. And you can get all the, the upcoming and past events there. And so we hope to see you next time here at the Real Science Exchange, where it's always happy hour and you're always among friends. <laughs>